Engage. You like that? I like that. Yeah. That was very, like, Star Trek-ish. Yeah. You know, <laughs> help, helps to be on point. How, how much Star Trek can we put into this episode of the podcast? That's what I want to know. I mean, hopefully a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief. Good grief. Well, everyone, welcome back to another episode of this here podcast these are the voyages i'm the captain captain chase mckinney and joining me for this romp is um is our man the the will always have lieutenant commander eric how you doing eric welcome back man i am doing great i found my way through the spatial anomaly and i made it here on time well done i almost did not i almost did not we're um so we're we're making plans to um, to go on a little like away mission as a family. Um, so by the time y'all have heard this, it will have already happened. See, like it's it's all like that weird space anomaly stuff, right? Like that temporal anomaly nonsense. You know, time is is strange. It behaves weird. Yeah, they say time is the fire in which we burn. You know, uh, here's the thing. Malcolm McDowell, when he took... I think I might have even said this when we talked about Generations on the podcast, um, whenever it was, like almost a year ago now. Right. Um, part of his, his fee for that role was like a, a nice like Rolex watch. And um, he had engraved Time is the Fire in Which We Burn on the underside of the watch because he was so enamored with that line. Wow. I. That's pretty cool. I mean, I think you. I think you said that before, but like hearing it again, it just ha- it still has the same kick to it. So, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, it's like yeah, a we're predator that stalks you. Yeah, and I think you know. I think um, you know. We're, see, we're already on tangents and going off the reservation. I love it. Like we're only like two minutes in. This is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but like, even it's on when. Point. When we were um, doing like some of our Picard season one review stuff, right? Um, there was this this scene where like there was a, fi- a reflection of the fire in the clock on the mantle that Picard was like um, standing right next to, and I remember like thinking like how well that shot was made, like time and fire and burning and yay. Yeah. So, so. really, it's a really great um, exchange between those two men at that scene. Yes. Yes, it is. So, <clears throat> well, um, sorry for that throat clearing, y'all. All y'all in listener land. I mean, not that I can't edit that out, but I'm probably going to be too lazy to even remember that it happened. Um, <laughs> completely I mean, forget Chase, about it. Chase, you look ragged right now. <laughs> I mean, like, like you've been through a rough day. Is everything okay? I mean, things are fine. Yeah, I mean, like, my knee hurts, but I think that's just, like, my 30s. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and like recently, um, uh, we uh, Elena Elena um, wanted to do like karate, so we actually went to like a karate preview night and stuff, and um, she earned her white belt, which was pretty cool. Um, so it was just like, you know, can you make it through a class, basically? Can you do, like, some basic stances, some basic punches, and stuff like that? So she was eating it up, man. And That's um, cool. I was I was right next to her on the mat wearing my belt uh, with her, and 
um, it, it was just really cool. It was really cool. So um, part of me is ragged because of that. And I've been at doctor's appointments like all freaking day today, like the day that, we're, you know, that we're recording this and um, like for, for my son. So um, we've just been we've been running around like getting him weighed and meeting with a specialist for like some other stuff like don't worry I don't need like prayer warriors or anything like that I don't need people like sending you know Hallmark cards everything's fine with John like nothing nothing's too crazy yeah it's um, just routine check right yeah just like some stuff like with specialists and it, I mean things are peachy keen and a-okay with my boy so don't worry y'all everything is is okay in this part of the Alpha Quadrant well um, that's good to hear yeah <sighs> so I can breathe for, for now and I'm getting up early um, again wibbly wobbly tiny wimey you know temporal stuff from what's about to happen what has already happened so um, shut me up Eric how's your day been bud I mean like listen as Tom, Tom Paris got shut down in that episode of Voyager really early on Parallax and and uh, they were like don't try to understand time just don't <laughs> sometimes it doesn't make sense <laughs> Oh man, there is so there is a YouTuber that I recently happened upon, and she's an astrophysicist, and she's been doing like an astrophysicist response to like different like shows and stuff like that, and um, one of which was um, from Stargate SG One, um, the episode "A Matter of Time," and um, most of the science in that episode was pretty on point according to the, the astrophysicist um, is that the one where like the gate gets attached to a black hole on the other side mm -hmm. yeah sg10 right. is trying to get out type of right. thing yeah mm -hmm. and yeah, then sure. um and then she also did one with um um with the next generation i can't remember which one it was it was um it had to do like with um like a, a white dwarf or something like that. I think it was like a season one or two episode. And like Is it that the one where there's like two Picards in it? I don't think that's what like it the, was. Oh, uh, because there's a, I think it's called like Times Squared. There's an episode where a shuttlecraft shows up and it's like Picard from a few hours into the future. No, it wasn't that one. Okay. Man, see, this is why I shouldn't like, I shouldn't think on the fly. This is, this is just... <laughs> This is what happens, man. This is what happens. So, it's all right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. What you been up to, man? Yeah, just uh, you know, living, living. Uh, Carline, you know, that's all. That's all I got is Carline. You know, it, it rained on us on Tuesday during Carline, and there I am outside, just unexpectedly getting rained on. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, awesome yep yep my me and my white dress shirt out there i was like mm. <laughs> i was it was it was wet it was a little bit see-through at the end eric this is a family show bud <laughs> <I know. laughs> goodness wow okay well um again like i know i don't care how many times you tell me about carline i just imagine you dress like cayman from from inner light like that's just like the picture i have in my head is cayman <laughs> for some reason all right yeah that's that's what i'm sticking with okay that's what i'm sticking with you know the planet's about to go supernova 
And um, anyways, that's 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 all I all I see, all I experience whenever you tell me those stories. <laughs> well, they're the only stories I got. Well, um, so I, I neglected to mention it last time, uh, but it was kind of like an overlap in terms of like, again, time stuff. But um, I actually got to spend some time with some um, some other Star Trek peeps recently. Uh, they were they came into town. Uh, recently for uh, the Dallas uh, Comic-Con that just happened, Dallas Fan Expo that just happened, and there were a bunch of Star Trek uh, celebrity guests that showed up at it. Um, I believe Shatner was one of them, actually. Uh, Shatner, Quinto, um, uh, Walter Koenig, right? Like the original Chekhov. Um, And... I can't remember who else there was. Anyways, a bunch bunch of like Trek Trek folks came into town, and um, so I had um, I got to meet up um, near downtown Fort Worth and um, hang out with uh, Jenny Hay and um, and Scott, both from the Center Seat Podcast, which they've been on the show before. Um, I've been on their show before, but um, someone that I've been kind of you know kind of talking with like through them like kind of like a, a mutual friend I guess of sorts has been uh, my buddy uh, Robert of um, the Promenade podcast and um, I got to, got to meet him for the first time and he was kind of like cutting up with me and um, <laughs> just given giving us a hard time um, I know he was like riffing us and just having a good time but you know like in Cal I don't know if you know this Eric but like in California like highways they call it like the one the five the whatever and yeah. here we don't <laughs> it's just 35 820 45 10 whatever our highways are you know yeah. um, or, or i insert number here type of thing or highway us whatever and um he just kept saying like the 35 the 75 the 45 and i'm like dude <laughs> that, uh, just sounds wrong for for Texas, it just sounds wrong. Yeah, even um, like for Michigan, like it's just get on seventy five, get on twenty three, mm-hmm. get on sixty nine, four seventy five, four seventy five, yeah, yeah. six ninety six, whatever, yeah, yeah. Don't get on six ninety six, by the way. Just stay away from six ninety six. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's that's probably a good, good, <laughs> good <laughs> advice. Oh man, but you know, Robert was was saying like you know you need to be calling yourself a commodore i mean because you got like a station and a ship and like something else and i'm like i mean i don't know how if that has like the same ring to it like i don't know if i can get away with hi i'm commodore chase yeah i believe captain kirk once said you know people don't join starfleet to become admirals they join starfleet to become captains that's yeah. where the prestige is. Look, I busted my way through Starfleet Academy to be able to earn this position as captain of this here show. You know how I did that? I killed a man. No, I didn't oh, kill a man. Oh, okay. <laughs> that took a dark turn that I was not expecting. Mirror universe, dude. Terran Empire. I'm actually from the Terran Empire. Hmm. I broke Eric. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. As we leave here today, me always remember to boldly go and make it so. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Like, 
I, I know we've only got this. There we got this episode that we're gonna talk about, and there's three more episodes. Chase, I don't, he sent me a picture, a screenshot of from the mid-season trailer from Star Trek Day, a couple weeks ago, and it was like Mariner in like mirror universe garb with the Terran Empire symbol on the door, and I just like, oh, I don't know how many memes I sent you, but they were all just like of the make it stop variety. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness, goodness! Like well, I, I might not be here for that episode. I might have to conveniently wash my neighbor's cat that weekend. <laughs> yeah, I got some paint in the garage that needs to be watched to dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to. Uh, I need to take a census of um, of all the dimples in the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. My my HOA is asking me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, good grief. Well, Eric, um I guess I guess um we we're we're pretty much there. Um I don't think I've I've quite earned the rank of of Commodore yet. So, maybe maybe someday, but maybe but someday. not yet. Not yeah. yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have I have many more places to boldly went still. Yeah, and I don't want to command well, I mean, you're a lieutenant commander, dude. Like, come on. Yeah, now. I know. I, I don't want. I don't want a command. I'm All happy right. being. I'm happy being in the second seat. Fair, <laughs> fair, <I'm happy>. fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, um, everyone out there in Listenerland, um, again, welcome to the show. Um, we are about to go into spoiler territory, so this is your red alert right now. If you have not seen the episode. Um, from Star Trek Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 7, where pleasant fountains lie. Now is your time to hit the pause button. Go give it a little uh, watchy-watch and come back. Yes, I'm using real technical terms. Go get a little viewing and then come back and you'll hear us rant and rave about it. Um, So, yeah, so this is your last chance. Three, two, one, here we go. All right, we are now in spoiler territory. I know. I, so, I, so let's, I don't do let's that. just talk about this title for a second. Yeah. Where pleasant fountains lie. Do Where, you recognize do, this title from something? I, I feel like I should, but I'm blanking. Yeah, it's, it's apparently it's taken from a Shakespeare poem, Venus and Adonis. Like I didn't recognize. Normally, I'm really good about recognizing my Shakespeare yeah. titles, right? Yeah. You know, quotes from from plays. You know. Uh, such sweet sorrow by any other name there is a tide the conscience of the king all those things I'm really good at, at getting those but this one I just blew right over my head until I looked at the trivia for this episode hmm interesting okay yeah yep from a Shakespeare poem called Venus and Adonis huh so so did you so since you brought up the trivia, did you go and check it out and make any connections with it? I I watched this episode like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> so I you know, it's a long poem. I haven't gotten a chance to read through it all. Okay, fair enough. It's it's a narrative poem. It's not Beowulf or anything in terms of length, but it's a long poem. It's a long poem. Okay. <laughs> I'm still scrolling. It's long. 
it's it's almost 1200 lines goodness okay that that might be that might take a little bit of time that might be at least one maybe two bathroom visits with your ipad yeah <laughs> goodness okay so um well, I mean, I guess it's doing something good, right? Like it's got like Star Trek, or it's got um, Shakespeare and some Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, we know, we all know the influence. We should do an episode at some point about like, like the Great Bard of the Galaxy would be the title of the episode or something. Dude, dude, okay, <laughs> you you need to make that so. Like you're the you're producing that episode now. Oh, oh, did I just volunteer myself? You for just that? got voluntold <laughs> and volunteered. Oh, at the man. same time, okay. I, mean, we, I mean that that would be a fun episode. I don't know. I don't know. I know you and I both love Shakespeare. I don't know if how much David's into Shakespeare, or if that would just be a, a us two conversation. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of David, thank you for mentioning that. Um, David obviously isn't able to join us today. Um, he's having to take care of um, some personal stuff uh, with family, um, but um, you know he's definitely here in spirit and. Um, Anyways, we're always happy to have him as, as much as possible. Sometimes as little as possible. I'm just kidding. As much as possible. No, um, no he's great. He's great. He's a great guy. We, we love David. Um, but yeah, like, I, here we go. Side, side trail. Um, but I don't think we, we said this on the record, but um, maybe we did. But Eric and I, at, at one point, had kicked around the idea of doing like an SOS podcast, Shakespeare on Screen. Yeah, uh-huh. um, I think we, we had talked about that I mean, in my was, living room. Yeah, it was just an idea that I've had. You know, who knows how good of an idea it is or how evolved of an idea it is. But it was an idea that I had, and I floated it out to you at some yeah. point. And, and I mean, I love Shakespeare um, a lot. And um, it would be – I would love to do it. Like, I have, I have, like, so many podcast ideas, like, come through my, my noggin. It's scary sometimes. Um, all of them aren't gold, by the way. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Fellowship of the Beard. What was it like? A bunch of fart jokes and talking about bacon. Is that what what, what David thought uh, Fellowship of the Beard would be? I, I don't that know. was that was just kind of like a joking comment, I think, when we were talking oh. about it the other day. Oh, okay, um, I don't remember that. Anyway, but yeah, like I we, had, we had your idea of twenty four and twenty four. Yeah, man. Remember you told me about that idea? Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we could do... I mean, we're already like 18 minutes into this. I don't know if we could do like a 24-minute podcast. Mm. Challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge, ex- challenge accepted. Oh, good grief. Good grief. Well, um, help me out here. Okay, yeah, so... Um, so Shakespeare. Yeah. So the title comes from Shakespeare, which I was, I was trying so hard to like make the connection. Like, um, the, the, like looking at the, the episode titles up to this point, like prior to, to this current episode, episode seven, it seems as though the titles have been what we've kind of assessed to be maybe unintentionally, um, like the sea story for for a lot of these. So this is kind of like, um, maybe in a way kind of like distancing itself from, uh, from the story in general. Um, this was like very, um, not very different, but it was just different. Um, like the last handful of episodes, we've had a captain's log, right? Like I think like the last two or three, at least 
we've had captain's logs pop up and um this one obviously this one we didn't have a captain's log to kick us off which i was like i wonder if if eric's in the fetal position right now because there wasn't a captain's log well, well it, it was like a perfect setup for one too because we start exterior space right right and then we see the two ships and then we you know we right. go down to the planet and it's like like in that exterior establishing shot and then moving down to the planet there's like perfect time for a captain's log to set up the scenario but it didn't happen and right it's like why 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 that like blank blank space I know, I know. And I was I was a little worried that we were going to like rehash um like older story, like an older story like with a killer killer robot computer thing. Um but I'm p- kind of putting the cart before the horse on that one. Um Yeah. So this story it just feels very um maybe this isn't fair, but to me this story felt very linear. Um in terms of like just one through story as opposed to like multiple stories. At least that's how I, how I kind of teed it up, how I kind of experienced today. Well, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Sometimes, sometimes you get episodes that are confusing and they're hard to follow. And, and you know, it, it doesn't, it's not a bad idea just to give me a straightforward story every now and then. Like I can follow this from point A to point B, constant slope. Here it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, like there, the the if we if there there was an A and a B. I mean, let's just be be honest. There was an A and a B. A maybe was maybe Mariner and Boimler on the I planet, mean, and B honest, with the engineering stuff. Honestly, I for me, I think they're flipped. I think the A line is the the engineer you know billups commander right. billups and the b plot is mariner and boimler in my opinion sure however however it's teed up um they they intersect i think really well um i think it's i think it's a much tighter story which i think is a strength of this episode yeah. it's it's a lot tighter than the ones that we've seen up to this point Right, we're not trying to cram in three and a half storylines into twenty-four minutes. Correct, correct. Um, one thing that I do want to say that was like really cool, and I'm, I'm sure you thought it was pretty neat too, or maybe you enjoyed it, was the fact that we got Jeffrey Combs back, baby. Oh my, oh my God, I love Jeffrey Combs. I love Jeffrey Combs. We got him he's, back. He's, we got I mean, we got our boy back. Like, I had no idea he was, like, going to be in this. Like, that wasn't something that I had heard. I don't know if they had, it had ever been mentioned and it had been put out there and if you knew or not. I had no idea. But as soon as that computer started speaking, like, oh, my God, that's Jeffrey Combs. That's Wayun. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And when, when they, they said um, there were, like, hints, but I can't remember, like, how explicit it was in terms of, like, the hints. Of, of him coming back um, in which show because I remember I remember them saying like Jeffrey Combs is going to be back in Star Trek or he had tweeted it or something um, Jeffrey Combs is very active on Twitter so um, as soon as he was able to to gush I mean he was he was ready to gush basically okay I mean he's he's great he is 
I mean, he's great. I, I don't know, like, every character he does, he's done, like, I don't know how many characters, double digits at least. You know, I mean, so, obviously, the, obviously the big ones are Wayun, Brunt, and Shran. Right. Like, the three big ones. But, I mean, he shows up as, like, a character actor in, in like, many just one-off roles. Mm-hmm. Quite a few, yeah. But yeah, like those those are the main three that that I was thinking of too. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, now and, and we know if Enterprise had gotten a fifth season, he was going to be join the main cast as Shran. Wow, yeah. Like that was like legitimately going to happen. Yeah. By the way, really interesting. We're in the twentieth year, right? It's been twenty years since Enterprise came out. That's which means it's been twenty years since Voyager ended, and that just doesn't ah. God, I'm so old. <laughs> Again, I was talking about my, my knees hurting. Welcome to your 30s, dude. I know. <laughs> Man, we're old. What happened? I mean, I'm reminded of how old I am every day at my job, though, right? Teaching. Like, a student of mine just had a birthday this week, and I was like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 14. Oh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. We're old. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, that That's means right. it's also been 20 years since 24 came out. Yeah, yeah. When this, man. when this, this discussion train all started with you yep. and I, man. Yep. Good old I, AOL I Instant Messenger. We, I don't know if we started right away though. I think we might not have started till a few seasons later. It might have been like season two or three when we actually yeah. started. Yeah. Because like I'm, I mean. Okay, I'm going to back away. I'm going to back away. I wasn't a fan of season one. Of 24? Say what? Shots fired, I know. Hot take. Hot take. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I think wait, I just no, broke no, here. No, 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 no. Like, I don't even... I can't even comprehend that because there's so many iconic things Look, that happen in season one. And it's like... It's, I didn't. I didn't say be, I hated it, it. It might be the tightest season in terms of like a narrative story, like the most, also the most realistic. From like, it got later on. There's like, okay, let's just throw more stuff in here, and it's like, <laughs> like there's an entire episode in season one where Jack Bauer is just fighting off sleep. That's like the episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, okay, maybe that might be boring, but it's like it makes sense. It's not. Look, I don't hate it. It's just not my favorite. Okay. I mean, I mean, the the, the pilot episode is iconic, right? Right. I mean, we can't see the plane get blown up anymore, but I remember seeing it. That was iconic, mm-hmm. and obviously the ending, which I'm not going to say, right, is mind blown. Icon- iconic. Yes. Right. I mean, probably one of the most shocking moments in television history, as far as I'm concerned. You know, Eric, I can hear people in Listenerland saying we need to do a 24 podcast since we talk about it so dang much. Like a 24 yeah. recap or something. Right. The Hour of Bauer, something like that. Oh, my gosh. That's a great. <laughs> the Bauer Power Hour. The Bauer Power Hour. Dude, what if we could get Kiefer Sutherland on? Okay, this is a Star Trek podcast. Let's, yes, let's bring let's it back. Star, let's Star bring Trek. it back. I don't even know how we got to 24. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, our recaps. Yep. Yeah, I'm there. 20 I'm years. There. All right, all right. One, two, three. Focus. 
Focus. Focus. Thank you, Commander. Appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, so Jeffrey Combs, Agamus, the evil computer, which is a classic Star Trek trope. And I, even oh, though it's oh, yeah. so overplayed, I, I always love the the evil computer that wants to take over things. I don't know, because I feel like there's so many, obviously all of them trace back to like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is epic, right? But I, there's so many different ways that you can do the supercomputer that wants to like rule the world or take charge or whatever. I, I, and I just, I always find it very fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, and... There was a um, there's a part towards the end of this episode that reminded me of um, um, a Disney movie, and um, I'm just gonna go there because why the heck not? I know we're like jumping all over the place. Um, we have no script, by the way. Um, <laughs> if that's not obvious by now, yeah, if it's not <laughs> right. Um, but have you ever seen? Um, just out of curiosity, have you ever seen the the movie Meet the Robinsons? Okay, great movie, by the way. It's an animated movie. Um, I want to say it came out like early to early 2000s, like maybe 2005, 6, 7 ish, like right around there. And um, a lot of it was actually based off of um, Walt Disney, like in his ideas and how he approached things and, and stuff like that. But it has like this family element that's like very heartwarming and stuff like that. And, but anyways, like there's a part um, in it, and this isn't necessarily spoilery, but like this um, this robot thing, um, like kind of goes nuts, and like it kind of shows like this um, alternate kind of future, like if this like machine thing had like taken over basically, and it's like controlling everyone, everything type of thing, and the part where um, where Agamus is just like talking about like I will rule this part of space and like you see like the montage of like the fleet of like box computers and like that's all I could think of was these robots from Meet the Robinsons yeah I I, I, I thought that was hilarious at the end I, I actually really laughed when they put they get Agamus to the Daystrom Institute like you know, closing shot now. Now we're all the way at the end. Um, they put him in. The, they put him in the box, and he starts talking. I will rule everything. And then the other supercomputers around him. No, not with an attitude like that. No, I'm gonna rule the world. No, I am. And they just pan out, and there's just like the wall of supercomputers. Because <laughs> like, it's like, like Mike McMahon gets the joke right there. Because like that is such a Star Trek trope of the supercomputer. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. it, and it's great. I actually, I laughed so hard. I, that might have been one of like the best jokes the show's ever done, as far as I'm concerned. Very okay. All right. Well, um, I guess we should come back to the beginning now that we're at the end. But um, so we we come in, and, and um, part of the beginning of the shot is um, uh, there's a delegation. There's like a um, like a team, a, a team of like Starfleet officers and, and personnel on this planet, boxing things up. They've apprehended the supercomputer essentially, and they're going to ship it off um, to the Daystrom Institute for um, for study and et cetera, et cetera. Like, hey, look, Ag- Agnes might be working on it. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's well, like, I mean, like 19 well, years before. Who knows how old she is? Well, 2381, 2381. She should technically. 
be um, still be in Starfleet Academy, actually. Well, and mean, she should I be mean, about so, to be recruited by Bruce Maddox at well, this I point. Mean, well, like, Picard starts in 20, is 2399, so this is 18 years before that. Yeah. Do you think she's 40 years old in Picard? I mean, if you do, like, even if you say 18 divided by times 2, right, 36, and you say she's 18 years old at this time, you think she's 36? Pro- probably. So she might be in Starfleet Academy at this moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 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 Ma- but whether it's it's her or it's Maddox, I mean, Ma- Maddox is there in 2381. Yeah, he's there. He's there. He definitely. I mean, he's trying to reverse engineer, like, B4 and Data and everything, so... Uh, create like tons and tons of them. So um, that's trying to happen. And um, anyway, uh, the, there, there's like a kerfuffle of, of stuff that happens. That's a fun word, isn't it? Kerfuffle. I love kerfuffle. Kerfuffle, yeah. There's a kerfuffle of stuff that's happening um, down there and um, back up on the Cerritos. Um, a lot of stuff moving around. Uh, we find out that um, the, our chief engineer, um, Lieutenant Commander Billups, um, amazing mustache, by the way. I think on a on a on a Tom Selleck um, mustache meter, he's probably <laughs> in like a, maybe like maybe like a six or a seven on the Selleck meter. I don't okay, know. Okay, that's that's pretty high. Yeah, I think he's like a six when it when it comes to like a Selleck stash. I mean. Wow. I wish. I mean, I think every guy wishes they could have like a Tom Selleck mustache. I'm just well, saying. I honestly, the mustache is the least favorite part of my beard, right? Me too. Have you I seen mean, mine? It, it would. It would. It would look <laughs> weird to like not have it. To like have the beard and then like not have the mustache. Right. But like, it doesn't grow in as thick, mine. And then I'm always like, it's always like getting uncaught on my top lip. So I'm always like trimming it off. Like it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like so people I think, think I would I'm. A, want, I don't think I would want a big Tom Selleck stash. Well, I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly being judged by my beard, by how my my mustache looks. Like I'm a poser. Like I'm a beard poser or something like that. Oh no, that's not true. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, we find out that our chief engineer is um, former royalty, and that he had to. Um, uh, what, what, what's the word? Abdicate. Ab- abdicate. abdicate yeah, yep. he had to abdicate his his right to rule. Um, his like be part of like the succession and everything. Um, and in doing so, that means that based on his culture, he has to basically be celibate. Um, is essentially it. Um, unless he he wants to rule, then he has to go through some kind of ceremony. Yeah, um okay. So let's talk about let's talk about this. An entire okay. planet founded on Renaissance Fair fans. Right? What do you think about that? Are you a Renaissance, were you a Renaissance Fair guy? Dude, like one of my first jobs was actually working at the Min- uh, Michigan Renaissance Festival in Holly. Really? In, yeah. Down in Holly. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. What was that like? It was it, it was interesting. Um uh, I started out um, as a hawker. Uh, I, was, I was hawking. You know what hawking is? Oh, okay. Yeah, I gotcha. 
not hawking loogies. Like, when you said like when you said like hawking, I thought it had something to do with birds or something. No, no, like I no, would. I was like yelling. Yeah, yeah, I, I was yelling, you. trying to get people to buy uh, funnel cakes originally. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Funnel cakes and like and beverages and stuff. And um, I think um, the next year I was like selling like bread bowls. Like I was mainly like in food. Uh, following year I was a kitchen manager at the at the Ren Fair. And um, then I stopped, and I ended up like getting like a real job at um, Kmart in oh, Grand nice. Blanc. Right. Yeah. Did you ever go to the Renaissance Fair as like a guest or just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. um, I, I actually, I, see, I've never, been, I've never been ever. I actually went uh, to uh, a Ren Fair uh, earlier this year, actually, with my daughter, and uh, we had a great time. Okay. Uh, but like, main, like my first introduction was actually just working it, and then like. I'd go back and visit, like, I think I visited the Michigan one, like, maybe a handful of times. And um, I like it. Um, I don't smoke. I don't drink. But I love, I love, love, love the smells of of the Ren Faire. So. And, like, seeing, like, jousting and, like, the artisans and people in character. I mean, some of it's annoying. Like, some people are just, like, over-the-top annoying. Like, oh, my gosh, just stop. Yeah, that's, that's in anything i'm sure i'm sure people at star trek conventions are like that as well but um you know i i actually i really enjoy uh ren fairs ren fest ren fairs whatever you call them i enjoy them actually so like seeing seeing like a a, a ren fest in space i thought was kind of cool i, I yeah, did I like thought, that i mean it was it was i mean this is something straight out of the original series i feel like the original series would have done well, why didn't the original series do this? They did every other crazy, weird idea. I mean, this, this I feel like if you had seen the Enterprise with Captain Kirk you know, come across a Renaissance Fair planet, you'd be like, that totally fits with the original series. Yeah. And all the crazy, weird planets they went into. I mean, there was the mobster planet, the, the, the Roman Empire planet. Why not the Renaissance Fair planet? I don't know. <laughs> I like the ship, though. I thought it was cool. Oh yeah, the ship looked cool, definitely. The um um oh my goodness um um follow me on this one. You might have to save me. I might screw this up, but the the design of the ship for um for Billups's uh, people it looked very much like an Art Deco interpretation of renaissance looking to the future of flight. Does that make sense? No, I, I think I follow you, what you're saying with that. It, it seemed like it was a very multi-layered interpretation of what a spacecraft would look like from an Art Deco lens. Right, hundreds of years ago, yeah. Hundreds of years ago, yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. I think I can, I think I can see that, yeah. Like especially like the little coils that were on um, the back of the ship, um, very much screamed um, like Captain Proton and Pride of Chaotica <laughs> type stuff to me. Right, sure. But but yeah, like I I like the design of the ship. I thought it was cool. I like the colors. Like sometimes like whenever I see ships um, on lower decks, I'm like, hmm, hard pass. But I I, I like this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is neat. And and like. The mother here who shows up, and like, this is this is Lwaxana Troy, isn't it? 
hundred percent. I hundred percent locks on a Troy. Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I mean, on a Troy can be annoying at times, but I feel like she's a great character. I was so like, look, I know Majel Barrett is no longer with us, but I was like, did they like rematerialize her or something? Because like. I was just getting so much of like a Lawaxana vibe, like hardcore. I mean, you know, like this is not the first or tenth time she has shown up to like <laughs> the show to like request help. I mean, you could just see that look on on Captain Freeman's face, like here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I, I love that. I love that joke too. I, I, I thought that worked to me. This, this idea of this, this woman in the locks on a Troy mold, it just worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Billups and Rutherford, um, part of their story is they're, they're called over to the, sh- their, um, the ship to repair some, some techno babbly stuff. Uh, with the ship and that's where the game is afoot um, with Billups and trying to trick him into becoming king yeah you know I've I've had a big problem with a lot of the the sex jokes that this show has made over the past several episodes like especially the um, the Gamato cucked gorilla whatever like I was like that was just uncalled there for way way too much um and i was frankly embarrassed by it um when i first heard this storyline watching this episode about how you know billups had to remain celibate essentially in order to to not have to go back and take the throne i was like here we go another sex story and i was just i was ready to just write it off but I actually didn't mind it all that much because you know oftentimes we see we see stories in in Hollywood and, and television and movies where you know a, a man who isn't like sexually active is almost like looked down on and is seen as less of a man and and not you know not someone you want to look up to not someone to but just like someone like less of a man um if that makes sense but i feel like that's not what they did here you know they they didn't make it seem like because he is a virgin and is celibate that somehow that makes him less in fact i think they were actually went the opposite way they were trying to say this is this is part of what made him like a strong a strong person and have a strong character and personality is that he was so committed to being in Starfleet that 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 this didn't matter to him almost like like being in a relationship being with somebody was not something to look down upon Mm -hmm. and and I really liked that they did that here and I thought that also when you see you hear like I'm thinking about like the movie the 40 year old virgin right um whenever when all the people that he worked with Steve Steve Carell well, all the people that he worked with found out about it. Their instant thought was, "Oh, well, we got to get this guy laid right away. We got to do everything we can to help him." But here, it seemed like everybody on the ship was trying to to help Billups remain celibate. They weren't trying to like 
force him into this or pressure him into it or push him into it. So sure. I actually kind of like this storyline. I guess, like, when you say it from that perspective, I guess that, like, does redeem it some. Um, I just... I don't know. I was, I was just having a hard time with it. Like, I can... I can definitely see what you're saying and I can certainly appreciate it, but it's to me, it just seems like the sex stuff, like we're camping out on like the sex jokes, the sex topic, the sex, whatever, so much that I'm just like, I'm just like kind of over it. Like like blue, like blue skies. Right. I, I totally agree. I'm over it too. Especially like when he like, when he thinks his mother has died and oh now there's a copulation ritual that he has to go through with like yeah. a man and a woman it's like a mm-hmm. ritual ritual threesome you know and and then they make the joke about like he can't get it up right and i was like i didn't like that part of it but i liked everything up until that sure sure and i, I like the fact that I like Billups. Like, I th- is this like the first time that we've met him? Because this is the first time I, like, I'm remembering him for I mean, some we've, reason. We've met him. He's the chief engineer. He's he's been there the whole time since the beginning. But I, I don't think there's really been any like storyline from him before. Right. So like, if we're talking like senior staff, like of course like Freeman, Ransom, Shacks. Kayshawn, like they're the ones that like we we see and hear from the most. But like, I like I feel like with with lower decks, less and less is more in this case, because like I really like Billups, like I really like him a lot, and I don't know if it's like if I'm biased or whatever, but like so far the gold shirts in this show are the ones that I like the most, right? Like, um, Billups, obviously Rutherford who's got the most character development out of everyone yeah. on this show. Um, even Shax to a, to a certain extent, like I know he's like, he's senior staff too, but um, I don't know. Like there's just something about like the gold shirts in this show that I like way more than the red shirts or even the blue shirts. I think that's a fair point. Yeah. So, um, but I, I like, I did like his um, Billups's selflessness, right? Like with, um, when when he he doesn't have all the information he doesn't realize he's being tricked but he goes into the re- into Freeman's ready room I think it was the ready room and is essentially like look I gotta like I don't want to do this but I gotta do this for my people because like there's no one else that can can lead him which I think is kind of weird in a way just because like cer- certainly there are other people in the in like the hierarchy right in the succession plan because he's been removed from it like. Uh, what was it? Um, like I don't keep up, so like for all you like Anglophiles out there that love the Crown, um, not the show, but like UK Crown. Um, it's my understanding that um, was it Meghan and um, Harry, right? Like Harry has like removed himself from the succession plan, so like even if the Queen were to die and he yeah, and but but like Harry wasn't first in line. He no, was he like, wasn't. He was but like he's like six sixth or something like that. Right, but like even Char, like I doubt Charles will actually become king. Like I think William is is kind of being touted as like the potential succession, like actual person right. to succeed Queen, Queen Elizabeth. 
whenever um, whenever she dies in 200 years yeah whenever whenever <laughs> the, the heck that happens right um Never. but like my, my point is like whether so whether charles becomes king uh king of um britain right um down the road king of england later um or not there's a plan in place for who is going to succeed and how it's going to happen um just like there has to be something with billups's folks uh where he's removed himself like part of him going into starfleet is saying i'm not doing this right so i don't mean I don't know, maybe I'm going around circles with this, but like there, there's, it just, it's just weird to me um, that there's not someone else, like some kind of steward or something, you know, or right, or like a, a, a third cousin twice removed or whatever that's going to become the king that wants to become the king, right? Right. There, there's, you think there's some would be somebody else, and there would be a plan. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, I think this was like a really strong part. Um, this is a really strong storyline um, with Billups and everything. Um, it was actually the the storyline I enjoyed the most. Um, not to spoil the rest of our discussion with um, Boimler and Mariner, but um, I don't know. Are we missing anything like with with um, the I Rutherford mean, and Boimler Tendy stuff? It's just it's just Tendy that like goes and finds them, right? That finds that Rutherford is still alive and didn't didn't die in the explosion. Yeah. And then Rutherford has to like the guy like strums on his little instrument, whatever that was, and it like disrupts communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he has to run back to the ship. Right. Right. Do but you? Yeah. Do you think? I don't think it'll be the same way, but do you get like a? like a, a Riker Troy vibe with Rutherford and Tendy. No, I I I, I don't know if there's rom I don't know if I there is romance. I don't know if I want romance between the two of them. I think they're just good friends. And I think there was always the undercurrent of romance between Riker and Troy. The way that, um, like the the tail end of, of um, the the episode played out with um, at least the Rutherford and and Tendy interaction, um, made it seem like Tendy is wanting more than just friendship. To me. Okay, I didn't read into that. Okay, fair enough. We'll see what happens, right? Like. Yeah, we'll- yeah. All right. You want to talk about our boy Jeff Combs and Let's and the it. and the gang? And the gang, yeah, the gang. <laughs> so, um, so Boimler and Mariner um, go on a little little um, short excursion of sorts, a little um, away, brief away mission um, of their own, and uh, there's like some kind of ion storm or some kind of storm in space right that spatial anomaly something something that causes their their shuttlecraft to um, crash and burn essentially and they and they find out that they have this killer um, box computer with it with okay them. okay before we even get to that like um, Boimler was supposed to go on some other mission Mm-hmm. I, for something with like a centipede I forget what exactly it was but then at the last moment he gets reassigned to to do this you know transport duty and 
you know, we made this point on a few episodes back, uh, the Kayshawn, his arms open, right? Where it was like, the people that went on the mission, it was like the four ensigns and then one lieutenant. And now here we're on this mission, and it's just Boimler and Mariner, two ensigns, two ensigns. Right. trusted alone with this shuttle pod and with all and with this supercomputer thing. That makes no sense whatsoever. Like no sense whatsoever that it's just the two of them. And I know we're reading too much into this, and it's just like, well, these are our main characters. Of course, they're going to be the two. These these are our two main characters. I know it's lower decks, but they're the main characters, not Rutherford and Tendi. They're secondary characters. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that, oh, hey, from a storytelling perspective, you have to send your main characters out, especially because they've got issues to resolve. And the easiest way Star Trek knows to resolve issues between two characters is send them on an away mission and have them crash land somewhere and then have to rely on each other. That's a Star Trek trope. 100%. But this makes no sense that it's just the two of them. No. And I'm glad that I wasn't the only one thinking that. I was I was hoping that you were going to point that out because if not, I would have felt alone. Like, yeah, here we yeah. are once again. We have two ensigns. Two ensigns. Like, I, I think I could have slept better at night had this ju- had there been at least, like, I don't know, a lieutenant. Yeah. Right? Just throw a lieutenant in there. Yeah, I mean, like, Harry Kim never got to lead a mission until season seven, right? And then it was a disaster. See, this is why we don't trust Ensign's man. Right. I mean, I trust I trust Ensign Katie, you know, on our show. I mean, she does she does some good stuff. Like she can have her own away mission eventually, okay? Don't worry, Katie, you can have your own away mission eventually. It's fine. Well, keep keep the comm lines open. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like there need there should be someone else like at least like designate and here we are this is us thinking man like just like at least designate a mission commander for Pete's sakes like even if it is delivering Chinese food across the sector you know like designate a mission commander so that there is some kind of established chain of command regardless of having equivalent rank right yeah like who is in charge of this mission is it Boimler is it Mariner who's like when things come, shit, when stuff hits the fan, right? Yeah. yeah. Who is the person that says, no, this is what we're doing? You know, because they're both ensigns. Neither one outranks the other, even though Boimler was just a Lieutenant JG. But, and we've also known Mariner has been a Lieutenant as well. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. Somebody needs to be in charge. Like, this is my mission. Mm hmm. Yeah. So on this mission, like, uh, you know, so we, we talked about it, like there, there's some kind of storm that happens, like some kind of anomaly, some, some kind of something, something that happens and systems go, go crazy. There's a kerfuffle in the shuttle pod. There we go. Another, another use another, of kerfuffle. Another kerfuffle. Yeah. Should I name this episode the kerfuffle? The kerfuffle. Yeah. No, I, I won't do that. Um, crash land on this desert something planet yeah. something big old sand, spa, it's it's a Star, Te- Star Trek tan, uh, Tatooine is what we got I mean it's more like Jakku because you see all the other like that's, that's true. crash yeah, land Jakku. spaceships right yeah okay so yeah we 
But I definitely did pick up on some Star Wars vibes with this um, episode, yeah. by the way. Um, so yeah, we end up on Jakku um, in a galaxy um, not so far away. And not too long ago. Not too long ago, actually. Um, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, they are hurt. So um, Mariner, what, she fractured her arm, I believe? Yep. And um, the the replicator is is going nuts. And by the only way, make, only making black licorice, which oh. is gross. Which is gross, by the way. Let's be honest. <laughs> Red mom, licorice, really good. Black licorice, gross. My mom loved black licorice. Like did I did she? not, I didn't get it, man. But my mom <laughs> loved, loved, loved black licorice. And um, I think it was like one of my first summer camps, like. She bought me like a bag of like um, like Twizzler brand um, like vines, right? Like my favorite Twizzler, by the way, is like the pull and peel one. Uh, yeah, I just love those the peel, most. Yeah. Um, but then she also sent me like with a bag of like black licorice, and I'm like, I don't like this lady. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it's it's not good, black licorice. Oh man! But I, yeah, mean, the, I think if if I was stuck with a replicator that only made black licorice, whoo! I might plug in that supercomputer. Can I have some bacon and eggs, please? <laughs> and a nice pitcher of water. Yeah. Water oh, cold. Here, black licorice, black. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So. Um. So they're they're stuck trying to figure out what the heck to do, and through through a series of of a bunch of, of stuff, um, find out um, that Mariner kind of orchestrated um, Boimler being pulled away from that one mission because she didn't think he was ready for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. These two these two have a lot of issues to still. I mean, Mariner still seems a little forget the phrase, but like butthurt at this point that that. Boimler left and took a promotion even though like clearly she should know by now that you know prom- promote being promoted in rank and moving up in rank is important to Boimler but for some reason she's still so butthurt about him wanting to advance his career which I don't get I, I, I understand why she has a problem with him leaving like in the middle of the night the way he did which was kind of a jerk move but why is she still so upset that he was focusing on his career? Right. And yeah, we've, we've talked about that ad nauseum mm-hmm. at times. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like why would anyone want to be an ensign forever? I mean, well, and, and if they truly are friends, if they truly are friends, then she should want him to be successful and she should want his career to not be stuck in place. She should be like those red shirts last week, you know, actively trying to help him get promoted because she should know that that's important to him. Right. I wonder like why Mariner is in Starfleet. I mean, because she has to, I think, right? Because she's got an admiral dad and a captain mom. Right. Sometimes people like in the, even in real life, people join the military because they have parents in the military and they feel like obligated. 
I mean, this is the, you know, the late 23rd century in the world of Star Trek. And, you know, they're not bound by the economics that we are in the, you know, the 20th and 21st centuries. So, I mean, she could go be a freaking, you know, I don't know, carpet maker. She could go be a painter. You know, she can go do whatever she wants to do with no worries about, like, the finance that is necessary to make it happen. I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Mariner is a character. I just, I'm not a big fan of Mariner the character. Yeah, Mariner is my least liked um, character on the show. Right. Of our of our main cast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I still watch it, though. I still watch it. So, um, but yeah, like, here we go. Like, Jeff Combs, box computer, um, you know, just constantly trying to, to get his fix, you know, so he can sink his, his tendrils into some kind of terminal and have a good time. Um, which, did we, I want to make sure I didn't miss something here, Eric, but like, there was a brief moment where, um, he connected to um, to a pad, right? And, and that's and that's how he found out that Mariner, like, mm-hmm. got Boimler off the duty he wanted to be on. But that was that was it though. Like that was the only payoff with that connection. That's correct. Yes. Okay. That's what I, that, that was what I want to make sure of. Like, surely there had to been more information, um, like for a payoff. But like, that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it like it really seems like like Mariner is just so incredibly butthurt about like you said, like I think that's a great way to describe it. Like she's just so bent out of shape with this promotion, his time on the Titan, and like we don't really see her, you know, um feeling for the guy, you know, like knowing like this is what he wanted. Like he wanted to be like you know, he wanted to be promoted. He wanted to be like move up and in, in his influence as a Starfleet officer. And like his hopes are now dashed because of a stupid transporter incident because he was using his noggin. He was using his resources, his intellect to solve a problem. And he didn't even get to benefit from it necessarily. He had to take a demotion. He had to go back to where he came from, which doesn't make sense to me. Like why you would have. Anyway, that's, that, I've brought that up before. I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. yeah that... But. Any, anyway, um, and, and, you know, and just you know, just the fact that there's like so much focus on it is is irritating. It's yeah, tiresome. And I, and I think maybe he he talks about it so much because he is hurt by the fact that he got the promotion that he wanted. He he got the Titan out of a and then those the away team out of like a dangerous situation through his his knowledge and his intellect and his ingenuity and he. Cr- did a clever thing to save people and then he was basically punished for it right essentially and you know was sent hey go back get packing you can't be here anymore even though you did this great thing and you saved people right and maybe Mm -hmm. that's why he's bringing it up so much but like i do it like mariner calls it stop talking about your study abroad right (laughs) you know but like maybe the reason he's bringing it up is because it it like it hurt it's really hurtful to him and he wants 
somebody to like understand how much he was hurt by it. Right. There's someone that looks exactly like him that gets to go live the life that he wants. And it's just being completely dismissed. It's like, oh, well, sucks to be you type of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's really how it's being being teed up. Like how it's, it, it just, yeah. I would hate that. I would like, hate that. I would hate that so stinking much. Like I'm busting my butt to better myself in whatever, right? And then someone like something happens. I'm cloned. I'm duplicated, right? Not, not. I'm not a dupler, but I've been duplicated. And someone else gets to to saunter off and go live that life that I want. jacked up it's jacked up it is it's not it's not fun maybe 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 boimler needs to go see the ship's counselor just to have someone listen to him maybe that's what i mean in all seriousness like his friend his friend beckett mariner is not listening to him right he's not being the sounding board that he needs Maybe he needs, in all seriousness, to go see the ship's counselor. I know they played off the ship's counselor in season one as like a joke episode, as a joke, right? Which I know that you like did not sit well with you because that's your profession. But maybe, in all seriousness, he needs to go talk to somebody who will listen to him. Right. I agree. Even if he talked to Rutherford and Tendy, it'd be a lot better than what he's getting from Mariner. Right. Because I think they actually have empathy, <laughs> at least more <laughs> demonstrable empathy than Mariner does. Yeah. So I don't know, but we we, we later so kind of just trying to maybe move towards an end with this. Um, Boimler gets a little irritated. He um, he storms off, goes in the ship. Um, pretending that things are going to be a certain way and in reality um, he just, again he, he's being Boimler, he's using his noggin and he is able to generate a distress signal and um, make it to where the only thing that's really being controlled is the lights freaking dimmer switch and um, yay <laughs> yay, yeah, yep, we outsmarted the supercomputer right? Absolutely because we always do all, every time, every, every single time, time. Right? We didn't talk it into blowing up, but we still outsmarted it. Yeah. So, unless I'm completely missing something entirely, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good wrap. So, um, let's let, let's move into like our um, our evaluation. Like we've kind of we've talked about like what we've liked. A lot, actually, which is kind of surprising. Uh, we've talked about what we didn't like, and um, let's kind of see how it kind of measures up, like with like the Star Trek formula, in terms of like the components, right? So this is what we call our Delta evaluation. If this is your first time listening, um, where we kind of assess like how much command, science, engineering, maybe logistics type stuff, like the different divisions of Star of Starfleet, um, how well they might be represented in this episode. Um, so, Eric, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to... I like. I, there was a lot that I liked in this episode. I, I hope that's come across. Um, I'm struggling to, like, fit it into, like, the the categories, though. Um, 
you know, Billups is our engineer, right? This is essentially like our Billups-centric episode. You know, each Star Trek has this formula it it had in the past. I don't know. It doesn't so much in the New School era have this like, okay, now this character gets his centric episode. This character gets his. And like, this is the Billups-centric episode. And he's our chief engineer. And so it would make sense that we would see some some engineering, some, you know, science technology here and and i guess we do because he's like trying to fix the, the the engine on this renaissance fair art deco ship uh but it was like all a setup so i'm like yeah there is something there but is there really because was there really a problem and i'm like okay maybe that's a little bit of engineering but i don't know um I like that there's a little bit of like leadership command because because Billups is like, well, he's trying to be selfless and say, hey, this is not what I want, but if this is what my people need, then I'm going to go be their leader. So there is a little bit of command and leadership there, but then again, it was all a setup and he never got to take command. So I'm really struggling to put these things into the deltas here. Help me out, Chase. I mean, I would say that that we definitely have. I, th- I think we could say that that the command and that the, the engineering definitely was on on full display. I, I don't I don't think that there's an issue with that. Maybe we're just um, maybe there's just too much like overthinking with it. Um, because like it doesn't mean like a red shirt has to shine, right? Right. Um, I mean, Scotty, for crying out loud, was a captain of engineering, and he like demonstrated like leadership and technical prowess at the same time. Yeah. Well, well Scotty wore a red shirt. Well, okay. In the wrong era. In the wrong era. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. But um, oh, good grief. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but I I mean I I see I see the two. Um, Science, not so much. And, and, and here's the, okay. Like even if we let's let's say we ignore Rutherford, we we um, ignore Billups, Tendy, who's a blue shirt, who's science division, medical division, right? Uh-huh. She goes about it trying to understand stuff using tech. She she notices that there's the, the um, an active um, cy- cybernetic headpiece thing that's um, transmitting, so she knows something is going on. Strange yeah. things are afoot at the Circle K, right? So, so there's that. Like we get to see like some technical stuff even from Tendi, and maybe I'm being like overly generous, but I think that's something that's worth considering too. Okay, yeah. So for me, it's definitely getting the it's getting leadership, it's getting command and um, engineering, just not so much with um, with science. I mean, like I think the closest thing maybe is drinking a blue pineapple or whatever that thing was, but that's about yeah, it. that still tasted like black liquor somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, guess, I guess that's fair. We can give it, I'll give it command and, and engineering. Okay. So, um, so let, let's move on to, um, um, as we start to wrap this up, the, um, the number rating. So, scale of 1 to 10, 1 being Dumpster fire, ten being absolutely amazing. Uh, Gene would salute it and promote it and everything because it's so good. Um, 
Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've been writing this down. I don't know what ratings I've given to all these episodes here, but I, I enjoyed this episode. Um, there was a lot in it that I've liked. I've said that before. Um, I like the, the, all the classic tropes we had here, like the strange, the strange planet we come across. I know we don't get a planet, but this, you know, the Renaissance Fair people it just feels like it fits in with. You know, an original series episode, the the Waxana Troy type character. I love that. Um, you know, I like the 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 you know the computer, the supercomputer that bent on domination that we have to defeat. And I think that joke yeah. at the end where they just the Daystrom Institute was just full of them. Really, I I like that. That was that was really funny. Um, I like Jeffrey Combs. I love Jeffrey Combs. He's amazing, right? And this was a super fun fun character for him and I, mm-hmm. I feel like he was enjoying it which made me enjoy it and I like the fact that we saw we got to see Billups it, this wasn't you know I it was you know we got a different character than, than we got before and this is really the first opportunity we got to saw him and I liked him so there's a lot that I like in this episode but there's also like things that I don't like we're, we're just camping out on the sex joke thing which you know, I know I've said my piece. There were things about that that I liked. There was a part about that I really hated. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Beckett and uh, Beckett Mariner and Boimler—they're stuck in this place that they need to move past. That I just don't get anymore. So I liked a lot of this. I didn't like a lot of this, but overall, I enjoyed this episode a lot more than I've enjoyed the previous several weeks, and I. I think this is the highest rating I'm going to give to an episode this season. I'm going to give it like a 7.5. Okay. Okay. I mean, maybe Kayshawn, his eyes open, I might have given somewhere around that same rating, maybe a little. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But I, I, I this is 7.5 for me. Okay. So this is this is kind of crazy because um, I think I was I think I mentioned it uh, pre-show. Uh, before we started talking, like I just said, like I didn't like this, um, but I will I will give Eric some credit. Like after talking about it and like seeing and hearing like his uh, perspective on some stuff, um, it has made me like this episode a lot more. Um, my gut when I first like came up with it, like with a with a rating, was going to be like just a solid five. Like I just oh. I just didn't like it at all. Um, like I didn't like the, 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 the tediousness of, of like the stuff with like Boimler and Mariner that was just getting old and annoying real quick. Um, and then like the sex jokes upon sex jokes and copulation rituals and whatever, like just like how central that was. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm over this. Like, have we just reduced Star Trek to nothing but sex jokes? type of stuff um but seeing it in, in a in a different light and and actually being able to talk to my friend about this stuff um in real time uh, i'm doing some on the fly number crunching right now and for me um billups i think is the standout like i said earlier billups is the standout of this episode and just getting jeffrey combs back man like it hit me right in the faith of the heart, um, love it. So, I'm 
I'm I'm closer to Eric um, in his rating, um, but I, I can't completely ignore like what my gut originally told me. So for me, um, I'm gonna probably just give it like a solid seven. That's so fair. It, it's fair. it's if it weren't for like the butt hurt stuff that just keeps rearing its head and the over the top like sex joke sex whatever stuff I could have given this much closer to a seven and a half like Eric um, this probably would have even approached like an eight um, because like I said I think like the highest rated episode I gave was um, the Dupler episode the embarrassment of Dupl- an embarrassment of Duplers but I think I gave that like a seven nine or an eight um, and, and that is still my favorite episode so far and I think this episode is closer to my number two, maybe my number three of, of this season so far. But, but we still have three more episodes, right? Eight, nine. Yeah, three more episodes left. And, you know, it was the last three episodes of the first season that were, like, the ones that really kicked into gear. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that, man. I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Well, dear listener... Um, all y'all in listener land, all y'all in different parts of the Alpha Quadrant, what did y'all think? Do you agree with um, Eric? Do you, I mean, do you agree with my initial gut reaction of this being a, a five, like a middle of the road, less than average type of thing? Or was it, are you cool with like the, what I kind of came up with, like the seven, like you wish you had like less of the, the sex joke? Or maybe you want more of it. I don't know. Um, let us know what you think. Check out trtvpod.com. Uh, look at our Hailing Frequencies page. There's a box there uh, where you can leave a comment about the show, give us show ideas, stuff like that. Um, by the way, Facebook just um, introduced a thing, or at least I got emailed about it, where you can uh, apparently have podcast episodes populate automatically um, on Facebook pages. So um, in addition to all the other places, if you're... Um, you know, if you're subscribed to our Facebook page, you will get automatic uh, dings, automatic um, pings, whatever we want to call it, whenever an episode drops. So make sure you, um, whether you're listening to us on Podbean, which is where we host this, um, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or even Facebook now, um, thank you for supporting our show. Uh, we're on all the socials. You can interact with us there. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTVPod. Um, tell a friend about it. Uh, we've had quite a few new people. Like I think we've had like um, about five or six, maybe seven new people join the Facebook group. So welcome everyone that just joined the Facebook group. Happy to have you there. Um, we are approaching our two-year anniversary. Can you believe that? Two years of voyaging um, wow. here on, on the airwaves, which is kind of crazy. Um, so we'll be putting something together um, soonish. Um, for that uh, two-year celebration. So um, for those of you that have been with us since the beginning, thank you. For those of you that have signed on since then, thank you. Um, We have many more voyages ahead of us. So uh, anyways, if you want to get in contact with us, apart from, you know, going to the website, please go to the website. You can do that. Uh, Make sure you send us an email, trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode of These Are the Voyages. Now, finally, if you want to mail us something, like a supercomputer that wants to sink its tendrils into our ears or whatever, you can do that. 
Uh, make sure you get to the Lone Star Station P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.